You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning. All right. Good hearty. Good morning. I like that. I think I'm good. My name is Andy. I'm Connections Pastor here at Kingsway. So good to see all of you with us. Like Brett said, it's been a heavy 11 months. Can you believe we've been in this season? Matt says three, three months is a season, not 11. But we've been in this time for 11 months since COVID became a reality and there was quarantines and all that stuff. And so maybe you felt the heaviness. Maybe you felt the burden on your soul and on your shoulders. Well, I start with good news that comes straight from Jesus' mouth. So this is a promise we can all apply to our lives from Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is ready to take from us the heaviness, but we got to walk through it together. So for the next five weeks, we as a church are going to walk together through this so that our marriages, our families, our homes are better. Because we all want that, right? We all want that. There's kind of a song we've been thinking about during this series, and so maybe it'll start to play in your mind. But if you have preschool kids or perhaps preschool grandkids or maybe back when you were a preschooler, it's the song, we're going on a bear hunt, going on a bear hunt. Are you starting to remember maybe? Oh, there's a river. Oh, there's a river. We can't go over it. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We gotta go through it. And already you're like, thank you so much for putting that song in my head the rest of the day. I really appreciate it. If you're watching at home online, you can look it up. You can have it playing in the background. Don't do that in here. It'd be distracting for me. I'm, I'm a little ADHD as well. Um, but that's, that's our theme. We got to go through it. And the good news is we don't go through it alone. We go through it with Jesus leading us, the Holy Spirit guiding us, and our good Father looking over us the whole time. And so we begin today. I'm excited for what God's going to do. And I'm excited, kind of, for the title of today's message. Pastor Matt named each one of our five weeks. Tell me what you think of this. This week's title is Undercover Lover. Undercover Lover. I know Valentine's Day is in two weeks. I don't think it applies to that. There's lots of ways we could go with it, but I think it's probably best to pray and figure out which way God wants to take us with Undercover Lover. So let's do that. I know Brett just prayed, but God, we can pray all the time, and we thank you for that. We thank you for this, this series. We thank you for what you're going to do. It's some hard stuff that we're going to walk through, but we're going to do it together. And so help us to go through it, Lord. Thank you that you got us. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a question. How well do you, how well do I, love the people closest to me? How well do you, how well do I, love the people closest to me? And I have to cough. <coughs> All right. That's a hard question, isn't it? There's something called the sprinkler head effect. You see the water shooting over, making this part of the grass green, but you see the brown grass 
right around the sprinkler head. Isn't this like our home sometimes where we're good at pouring out to other places, we're good at doing our job, we're good at being good friends, we're those types of things, but the people that are closest to us, sometimes we're not as good at loving. I find that once in a while, I'm pretty good at loving my wife and my kids. I have an 11-year-old boy and a nine-year-old girl, and I'm pretty good at pouring into them and putting their needs first and letting them pick the restaurant when we go out to eat and different things that shows them that I love them. But there are lots of times that I'm not very good at loving them. And I pour out here and I neglect here. Typical example of this is Monday mornings. I have a men's group that I meet with at 6 a.m. And in the fall, I'd watch football, Sunday night football till midnight or so. Then I'd go to bed and get four hours of sleep and wake up. And, and that men's group fueled me and I was good. I was go, running on little sleep and I'd get near the end of my day and that fuel was starting to run out a little bit. But I'm, I love my job. I love the people that we get to, to talk with. And so I would continue to pour out and I would be all right. And I'd make it through, and then I'd get home. And the filter would come off. And my kids, why didn't you do the dishwasher? The dish, that's your job, guys, do the dishwasher. And I'd, I'd just snap at different times. And I wasn't loving, I wasn't caring, I wasn't, I wasn't water in the grass around my sprinkler head. There's a really cool thing that we're learning to do as a family, and it's a process but it's to call out that activity in love. And I love my nine-year-old daughter. If anybody knows Anna, she is a go-getter and she will say anything and she's a ball of energy and I love her. And so she'll say, Daddy, are you tired? (laughs) Yes, Anna, you're right. I'm tired, I'm sorry for how I reacted. And so that does two things. Number one, it allows me to know what I'm dealing with and that I'm not being very loving to my family. And number two, it allows my family to know daddy's tired. And so we're gonna work through this together. I'm gonna soften my tone. They're gonna be a little, I don't know, more loving, a little different, a little, I don't wanna say less whiny, uh, but, but they're kids. And we're gonna work through it together. And that's what love is. It's not storming out of the room. It's not not talking to them for three weeks. Love is working through it. Love is going through the hard stuff together. And when they are receiving it, and when I'm receiving it, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. 1 Peter 4.8 says it beautifully. Above all, love each other deeply. I love that deeply. You think of a well and how deep it is and how it goes down. And, And here's why. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Just like a rain, uh, an umbrella. Isn't it cool that it rained today on the day that I have an umbrella? I don't know if it's still raining out there, but God switched it from snow to rain so that this kind of makes sense. But <sighs> this is what it means to be an undercover lover. How are we loving? How are we the umbrella protecting those, covering those around us? And how is our love covering over a multitude of sins? I love 1 Peter, it's such an awesome book, and that's, that's where that last verse was from. Later in the book, in chapter four, when it first starts, Peter is, is talking to Christians, so quite a few new believers, that are being persecuted for their faith. Now, some of them are family situations. Some of it is 
the head of household, the, the male back then, he didn't come to faith, but maybe the wife did, or maybe a couple of the kids did. And so since it wasn't the head of household, they are now getting persecuted because they believe in Jesus. If it's the head of household, if it was the man back in the day, then the whole household generally would follow Jesus and there wouldn't be persecution in the family union. But if, if the father, the male did not, then there'd be persecution. Perhaps it's these former non-Christians were going to businesses and, and there was a lot of immoral activity, just like there is today, but back then, and they were frequenting these businesses, whatever they might be. And so now that they're followers of Jesus, because Jesus has changed their life and shown them a better way, they're not going to those businesses anymore. And so those business owners would persecute the new Christians. And sometimes it was torture and death. And we still see that in our world today. And so this letter, 1 Peter, is written to Christians who are feeling persecuted. Maybe you feel that way right now. I love how Peter starts it in verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are down, when you are persecuted, when you are angry, when you're struggling, where do you look first? Peter says, look to God. Remember, God is your umbrella. He's the one that's gonna cover you. His love will cover you and cover your multitude of sins. So we start there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that last song we sang because, God, you have been so faithful. God, you've been so, so good. Both services, I was upstairs and just crying, thinking of the ways that God has been so faithful in my life and he wants to be in yours. If you're checking us out for the first time, man, we are so glad you're here. And I promise you, God will be faithful to you if you want to be his son, if you want to be his daughter. He is so, so good. And there are hardships all throughout our lives, and that's why we're doing this series, but he is good, and that never changes. It goes on to say, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth from a living hope. This isn't, this isn't a stagnant hope that the Colts will sign a quarterback. You know, there might be hope for Colts fans out there that that might happen, although off the market now is Stafford. So sorry if you were hoping Matthew Stafford was coming to Indy. He's now a Ram. But breaking news for those of you who didn't know. It happened last night. Sorry, that's my old life, the sports life of me, getting back to me. But we have a living hope. We have Jesus. He's living and he's active and he's here. He's here. He's in us. Living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that never perishes, spoils, or fades. That inheritance is kept in heaven. So followers of Jesus have an inheritance. It's so good. He's such a good father. This inheritance is heaven for you. Now listen to this. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of that salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God is not only covering us in our sins, he's shielding us. He's protecting us on all sides. We don't even see the attack coming and he's there. Look at what David says in Psalm 3. David's life in the Old Testament book of Psalms, David was always on the run. Different people were trying to kill him. He was rising to power. And so he was literally fearful for his life. I don't know that a lot of us fully grasp what it means to be afraid for your life, that around the next corner, someone might take you out. And here's what David says in Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Do you hear people saying that of you? 
God won't deliver you. Your God's not that big. He can't handle that situation. But listen to what David says. His answer can be our answer. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts my head. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. God is our shield. God is our cover. And we start there because that is the first step in any situation. Our households will fall apart eventually if we do not allow God to be the center. If he is not covering us, if we don't allow that, if we just live our lives, well, we can try our best and I can be really nice for a while, but it doesn't last. I don't know about you, but for me, it doesn't last. So that's the first step. If you have not allowed God to cover you, if you have not confessed of your sins, if you have not been baptized and say, yes, I am all in for you, God. That's the first step. And if you're watching at home online, you can just put connect in the chat on Facebook Live, Church Online, YouTube, just, just put connect. We'd love to talk to you about that. If you're here in the room after service, you can text CONNECT now, 317-565-4911, or you can come see our CONNECT team afterwards. We celebrate a baptism later in the service, which I'm excited, I'm excited about. So that's the first step. We gotta be covered by God. And then, how do we become the umbrella? How do we cover those around us? How do we love those that are closest to us? This is a, we, didn't, we did not own an umbrella. I don't think our entire marriage. We're 15 years married now. We just bought this last night. Not because of the storm, because, because of the weather, because of being on stage. And so I think this umbrella could fit me and one of my kids probably. Maybe if we did like one in front, one to the side, one here. I don't know that all four of us could fit under it, but there's big umbrellas, right? Have you seen them that you can fit a whole bunch of people under? Think about yourself as the umbrella. Who in your life are you closest to that you will cover? Our culture says to love each other means to accept me as I am. But that's not love. Our culture says whatever makes me happy, you have to accept it and you have to love, love me. You have, to, you have to, whatever makes me feel complete, you have to be okay with it, right? That's not what love is. Love, biblical love, is doing what's best for you. Me doing what's best for you. We're gonna start a new series of podcasts this Tuesday. It'll drop every Tuesday. And we're gonna talk with different members of our staff about relationships, about marriage. Pastor Joe is gonna tell us how to have intentional conversations with our kids. I encourage you to check out our podcast every Tuesday as we have a new episode coming out. One will be with Brett and Shelby Cadwell. And they're gonna share with us that their family has a verse for their family. Have you thought about doing something like that? This is the verse by which our family is driven. Similarly, we have core values as the Lynch family. And one of those is that we finish what we start. And so some nights, our kids who are really awesome kids, they don't, they don't complain a lot. And they, I mean, they're kids, but they're awesome. But they'll say to us, I don't wanna go to practice tonight. I don't wanna go to this event tonight. And as good parents, of a nine-year-old and 11-year-old, we say, we finish what we start. You're gonna fulfill all the obligations until the end of the season, and then we'll talk about it. If you wanna quit the sport at that point or the activity, whatever it is, that's okay, we'll work through it. And so saying no to them is love. They don't understand that, they just wanna stay home. But it is, 
It's a way that I can cover them, cover what they're feeling in the moment, and say, this is going to build character moving on. This is going to show you that we finish what we start. I'm not going to allow you to think it's okay to just run away when you don't feel like doing something. Now, when they get in high school and there's consequences to their actions, like they might not make the varsity team if they don't go to all the practices, then we're going to start giving that away and allowing them to decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this responsibility on my own. I'm going to go because I want to be on the team. Or I'm not going to go, and they're going to feel the weight of that. But at 9 and 11, it's my job as a parent to guide them, to help them see that. Me saying no to the wrong thing is a way to show love. Our family lives by a standard. You finish what you start. And so showing love is enforcing that. Similarly, when my kids were young, they'd see this bright glowing thing on the stove. They'd want to go touch it. And if they did that, we'd be going to the emergency room because they'd burn themselves or at least we'd be running under cold water and there'd be blisters and there'd be, there'd be issues. And so anytime my kids go over, is it loving to say, oh, go ahead. No, we would never want to do that to our kids. And so it's loving to say no and to say stay away from that because it's literally fire and it'll burn you. I told them no because I love them. I believe those no's will eventually lead to yeses. And so that as they get in a routine to go to practice, as they don't touch the stove, they're gonna understand because we are bonding. We are, learn they're learning that I love them and I do these things out of love and they're learning how to trust who I am. It's the same in a relationship. We are building trust with one another and that takes time. And so those no's, if you're in a relationship and you're not married yet, those physical lines, how far do we go? Saying no will lead to yeses as we become married, as we grow. Those no's can become yeses. And I believe we are growing in love as we do this. And so what would happen if Right around the sprinkler head of all of our lives, we started pouring out water and it grew really thick, good grass. And we became people of love in our families and then became people of love to the outside world as well. I think it starts in the home. John 13, 35 tells us what our love will do. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So how are you at loving the people closest to you? Would your spouse say, if you're married, your spouse say, I see Jesus in the way you love me. When you're dating someone, if you're not married, would that person say, you're just different. I see something different and I don't know why. What about your kids? Your coworkers, would they say, I see Jesus in you? Do they know you're a Christian if you're covered by God's love by the way you love? What does that even mean? How do we practically show love to people? I asked my kids because they give great answers. My son said, here's how I show love. I play a game that my friend likes, but I don't. Isn't that a good answer? 
We do an activity with somebody because they like to do it. And so we are showing love in doing that. My daughter said, saying hi. Is it that simple? Yes. Saying hi to somebody and, and talking to them. And, and she said, not ignoring them. And so I'm going to remind her of that this afternoon when she ignores me. Because <laughs> she will, I'm sure, at some point. How about making a card for them? People don't send stuff in the mail very often. But what if you made a card for somebody and you sent it? How about that person at work that you just see, you don't get along and it's awkward. And what if you just asked them how their weekend was? What difference would that make in their lives? Something simple that you can do. I, I want to challenge you to tell me what you do in the reaction this week. What way are you going to show them love that they might not even get it? I want to hear these stories. I want to hear how you're putting it into action. So feel free to send those to me. Biblical love is me doing what's best for you. So those are some examples. Here are some disciplines that we can get into that are, are very focused to relationships within our home. Whoever we are living with, whoever we're close to, whoever we interact with, here are some things we can do, some habits we can form that God will lead us to. And it all starts with being under God's cover. We can't do it in our own strength. Proverbs 19.11 says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. What does that mean, to overlook an offense? I think of when my kids come home, it's my daughter's job to load the dishwasher, my son's job to unload the dishwasher. We're teaching them responsibility. We're allowing them to do something that they can do and that they take as their role and job in the family. And so maybe they've had a really hard practice. There was a tough game and they lost and they got homework to do. And so they're getting through everything and they're trying their best and we get to bedtime and oh, dishwasher's not done. I have to decide, is this the moment where I say, this is part of your job, guys. You gotta get it done. In life, we, we, we push through. And some nights we do do that because they need to learn that days are hard and it's okay to have to be pushed to the very limit. But there's other days where I've seen just such a great attitude in them and I'm like, I'm not even gonna bring it up and I'm gonna do the dishes once they go to bed because I, I wanna be gracious to them. Those Mondays, my wife does such an awesome job of being gracious to me when I'm grumpy and tired, and she'll overlook so many offenses and just show me grace. Sometimes because I deserve it, other times because I don't. And so that leads me to kind of the second one. I want to be gracious because I love them. These are my people. These are the ones around me that are under my umbrella. I, I love my wife. I love my kids, and I want to show them grace because God has shown me grace over and over and over again. And so why would I not do the same thing? And so just remembering those things, overlooking an offense. God, give me ways and places and give me, Lord, the emotional awareness that I'm, I can stop in the moment. I'm not in the midst of all my emotion, anger, you know, whatever feelings get to you the most. I'm not all in that. God, give me the space to breathe and then overlook the offense. But then there's a different level, right? Like you just see a repeated failure of something in somebody's life or it's a child that's going down a really bad road and, and you, gotta, you gotta say something. You can't just continually be gracious. You can, but you also have to point it out. Jesus did this all the time. The Pharisees had all these wrong things and he would point it out and he would say, you're going down the wrong, wrong path, guys. And so how do we confront the issue? Timing 
is so valuable. Let's look at Proverbs 20, verse three. It says, it is to one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Oh, I was a fool. <laughs> I was the one that had to be right about sports, about any of my opinions. And then I, I took that into marriage and I wanted to win the fight. I didn't care as much about the relationship as I did about being right. And that caused so many quarrels that I regret. I, I think about, I was working second shift at a TV station. I'd come home and be tired and we'd be getting ready for bed, my wife and I, and, and something, I'd bring something up that was gonna be a lengthy discussion, something we differed in. One time I remember it was, you know, do we look for a job somewhere else or do we stay here in Ohio? And there, it was contentious and, and I knew it would be and then the emotions stirred up and I can feel the anger rising. And I would remember a verse from Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, and that motivated me to get to a solution before we went to, to sleep. And here's the verse. I, of course, it was out of context, kind of. I didn't remember all of it. It begins in your anger, do not sin. I didn't remember that part. I remember, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let the sun go down when you're angry, which I took to mean, I need to solve this problem before I go to sleep because I'm gonna be angry about it if I don't. That's not how my wife communicates very well, believe it or not. And so... We learned, and I learned, that the most healing, helpful words in that situation is, we're gonna talk about this later. I need to get up and go somewhere and pray because I need to take this anger inside of me and I do not need to sin by throwing it on you. I need to go give it to God. And sometimes in those conversations with God, I'll go out in my backyard, I'll go in the basement, I'll go in the family room somewhere where I can speak at least a little bit. In college, I'd go outside and just yell and cry out. And it was so freeing because God wants to take the burden from us. He wants to give us peace. He doesn't want us to live in anger because what happens? Verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold when we live in that anger. And so I find that when I pour my anger out to God and I ask him to help me, he does. Because he's so faithful. And he's so, so good. And he can take all those thoughts and words where the people around my sprinkler head can't and shouldn't. They don't need that. They don't deserve that. And I love the phrase, I love you too much to argue. Because we're gonna have disagreements. Marriage counselors will talk about fighting fair between a man and a woman. And that's good because we gotta go through it. We can't just dance around it. We gotta go through it, but I'm not gonna argue with you to win. I care more about our relationship than I do about winning. There's other situations. That's a situation where, you know, they might be open to it, right? And we're gonna, we care about each other. We're gonna work through this together. But what if it's a situation where that person's not open to it and I still need to share truth? My child is going down a, a bad path, perhaps, and I see what's gonna happen if they continue. We need to step in now and say something now. So how do we do that? The key is correction and love. Ephesians 4.15 says it beautifully. Instead, speaking the truth in love 
will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ, speaking the truth in love. It can't be all truth. That's gonna push people away. It can't be all love. They're gonna miss the truth. It's gotta be both. And that's so hard because we gravitate one way or the other. This is the closest I come to dancing. It's gotta be both, truth and love. So find the right time. Ask God to give you the moment where you can share with them. Don't wait. You see the signs, find a time to talk to that person. Follow up with them and pray. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter two, we don't have time for it, but there are these two sons of Eli. Eli was the priest, and so he would do all the sacrifices and lead the religious rituals of the Jewish people, and he has two sons, and the Bible says they're scoundrels. You don't wanna be a scoundrel in the Bible. That is not a good place to be, and it doesn't end well. God takes, he removes the priesthood from that family line because Eli found out about the activities when he was old, the Bible says, and then he maybe had one conversation, but we don't know if he followed up. We don't know how much he prayed for his sons. We, we don't see a whole lot of parenting happening. Read it if you need to. It's powerful. It's sad, but God calls us to love those around us and to love everybody. There's an awesome book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, really about relationships. And in this book, it says, God, the good parent, wants to help us, his children, so that he's the good parent, remember? He is the umbrella covering our sins. So it starts there. He wants us to become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. That's a reference to Ephesians 4.13. Part of this maturing process is helping us know how to take responsibility for our lives. As a parent, I'm teaching my kids how to take responsibility, even if it doesn't go very well. I'm gonna give them another chance. And I'm gonna give them another chance to learn what part is theirs and what part isn't. What do they need to own as they grow up? I don't wanna give them an unhealthy challenge. That would be, our dishwasher was leaking a few weeks ago. And... What kind of parent would I be if I said to my 11-year-old son, go fix the dishwasher? I can't fix the dishwasher. How would he fix the dishwasher? My wife fixed it. She's awesome. <laughs> that, is, that does deserve a class. Thank you. So that's unhealthy because then I come back the next day. Oh, it's still leaking. I can't believe you guys didn't fix the dishwasher. What are you doing? And this is an extreme example, but stuff like that, our kids can't handle by themselves. Can they handle, this is how you load the dishwasher most effectively, and this is how you put the soap in and make sure you close it so it clicks. Can they handle that by themselves? That's what a healthy challenge is. That's how we build responsibility in our kids, in coworkers that we are bringing up, giving new responsibilities towards. We give them healthy challenges. Anything that they can accomplish on their own or with my help. And I need to do that. I need to give healthy challenges so they grow. And so that we have conversations. That's what love is under the umbrella. And when they make mistakes, we got it covered. Because love overcomes a multitude of sins. Second quote from the book says, second only to learning how to bond, the most important thing parents can give their children is a sense of responsibility. So the first most important thing I've got something hidden back here. Don't worry, I'm not leaving. Although maybe you're saying, ah, get out of here. 
The first most important thing is bonding. Creating those moments where we're bonding with our kids in particular. And so last night, I was worried, got to save my voice for today. Don't want, I got to focus. I got to have everything in line. And it snowed and my kids went outside and I stayed inside for a little bit. And then I was like, this is a moment to bond. So I put my big Alaska jacket on. This is super warm, by the way. I'm hot already. It's 40 degrees below zero and you're warm in this type of jacket that I got in Alaska. But this is a bonding moment. I'm going to put the jacket on. I'm going to cover my kids with love and they're going to remember this so that we can have conversations that matter when they happen. This has to be the weirdest picture ever. (laughs) Hi, everybody at home. See what you're missing? The sprinklers are not going off. Don't worry. We'll close with a story about someone who was my umbrella growing up. It was my last high school... Sorry. Did that hurt? I'm sorry. It was my last high school sporting event. It was a volleyball tournament game in Pennsylvania. We had guys volleyball. We were the home team. We were favored. We were up seven to nothing against this team that we had split with throughout the year. And back then, it was not rally scoring. So now every... Every point, there's always the point. But back then you had to serve. And then if you scored on your serve, you got the point. So seven, nothing in volleyball back then was like being up 28, nothing in football at the end of the first quarter. It is unheard of. No one's coming back. But we had a scouting report on the middle hitter, the guy I was going against. And so I knew to have one step to my right to block him. And he was always going to hit this way into my hands. And I blocked him like four times. We were dominating second set after we had won the first He made an adjustment, and I didn't. I was not a very mentally strong athlete in high school. I was not a very mentally strong senior. And so I was guessing the rest of the game, and he kept beating me over and over again, and we fell apart, and we lost. And so I got home. My my sports career was over, and I walk in the door, and there's my dad, a quiet, gentle leader in faith. He has led our household well. And he was my umbrella because his love covered over all my mistakes, all the feelings I had of letting my team down, of everything ending. And he just gave me a big hug. And this six foot seven inch awkward kid put my head on his shoulder and just cried. And he loved me. That's what we are to those under the umbrella. We are agents of love. That's what God is to us. And so today, two questions. Is God your umbrella? Is he your shield protecting you in all directions, even where you don't see him? He's watching out for you. And is he pouring out your love? Have you allowed him to forgive you? And if not, now's the day. We can have that conversation. But if God is your umbrella, And how are you doing loving those closest to you underneath it? Let's pray. Oh God, you're so good. I just, I can't get over your faithfulness. And and as we're sitting here in this room, Lord, I know that we're thinking of individuals that we need to talk to. And we're thinking of, of ways that we can love our families better or other people. Or I don't know the name of each person you're putting in and folks' heads, Lord, but I know that they are at different stages of wanting to speak and wanting to, to, 
to give the grace and the truth and to speak out in love. And how do we do that? And God, I pray for courage. I pray for the courage you gave Joshua in Joshua chapter one, that it said, be strong and courageous. These were your words. And they're your words to us today. Be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God, we ask that you would lead us to these conversations. You would allow the words that come out of our mouths to be yours. And God, in everything, thank you that you cover us. That your love is greater than all of our mistakes. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.